When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK, Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks to all y'all who check in uh, with all the episodes every single week. I know there are new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I always appreciate you, you listening to the interviews and hit me up with comments or questions in the various places that you can do that, whether it's over at uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes or for the folks who uh, leave comments at YouTube. Of course, you can also download it uh, Spotify. And if you're not a subscriber, uh, please do take this moment to hit that subscribe button. Always appreciated, always helpful, especially if you're a big music nerd. You might as well follow along with everything that's going on here. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I'll be talking with Soccer Mommy. Yes, the one and only Sophie Allison is back with an album called Color Theory. It is my absolute favorite album right now. I'm not exaggerating. I've been in love with what she's been doing with this set ever since Lucy arrived uh, late last year. Just the tones and the feelings that are coming across here, and a lot of that is what we're going to be getting into. In fact, uh, as the story goes, the album is divided into three sets, which she has divided into three colors. Blue representing depression and isolation, yellow for anxiety and illness, and gray for death and loss. It's a happy set, right? I'm going to ask about where that came from and, and how far into the process she noticed that something like this was taking shape. We'll hear a little bit about uh, spending so much time on the road and how that possibly, if it fed in to the songs. And speaking of the songs, Circle the Drain, a fantastic single from the record. 
follows and even a, a sub-theme beyond the colors uh, with water. Uh, water is something that Sophie's talked about that she associates with sadness and loneliness, and that's something I definitely want to ask about as well. We'll also hear about why the 90s and early 2000s mean so much to her and how that influences her music, having fun with production techniques and, uh, and warping tapes. And we'll even hit on the song Feed, which was part of the Turning soundtrack that came out a little bit earlier this year. So let's hop into it. Talking about this fantastic record called Color Theory, it's Kyle Meredith with Soccer Mommy. Hey, what's up? My compliments uh, are, are first because Color Theory is has ended up being my favorite record that I have heard this year. It's such <laughs> an amazing piece that you've done. Thank you. Uh, you're going to be up here in Forecastle uh, Festival in the summer, so I know we'll see you then. And, and I thought it was interesting because you've sort of shouted out a, a few Louisville ties. You're also on tour with Tomberlin, which is a Louisville artist. Mm-hmm. And Rat Boys just put out a record. And, oh, I forgot Rat Boys is from Louisville. Yeah, well, Julie is. She was actually my intern is, yeah. a few years ago. So that was uh, that was wow. cool. Yeah. And I was like, look at that. It's Louisville all around for Soccer Mommy right now. I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> But but getting into this, so so you know, as it's been told, the record it's really interesting. I mean, aside from it being just this great piece, it's also set up thematically where it's recorded. Uh, well, well, it's divided into thirds anyway, uh, with with the colors all representing something different. I, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit, and if that was um, if that was thought out beforehand, or if that was something you sort of realized later as you were putting the record together. It came about as I was writing the album. Like when I first started writing some of the songs, I this was like no, I had not come up with any idea like this. But as I as I was getting into the songs, I feel like I started to realize that they weren't all like just similar. I guess mm-hmm. not that they you know always have to be, but they felt very tonally different. Like you know something like Lucy, or I guess that was the last one, so that's not really the one I was talking about. I guess something like Gray Light and Circle the Drain. <laughs> felt very tonally different and I did, had no clue how that was going to fit in together really and the more I like thought about it the more I kind of felt like there were these different moods and you know I started as I more songs were being written they were all kind of fitting into these different moods and it made me want to like kind of separate them up into these feelings and for me like whenever I you know especially in music and writing uh, when I'm thinking about feelings and emotions and sounds that convey feelings i always like connect imagery with it and for me that often also has like kind of a you know a hue to it not necessarily super colorful or something but it just uh you know it feels a little bit more like summery or wintry or something and has like a little bit of a hue so that's kind of like where the color idea started to come in and match with it and i kind of realized that as i kept writing everything was kind of fitting into these color themes and i just ran with it it's interesting. I, I know you know a couple of different things comes to mind because you hear about those people, and I know there's a scientific word for it, where they can they, they say they see sound in colors and yeah, shapes. Yeah, synesthesia, I think. Yeah, I know that because I've been asked a lot if I have synesthesia, <laughs> which I do not. But but I see <laughs> where you have it. Yeah, coming from because for me, an album cover becomes more important than I ever realized. Like every single time, because once the artist associates a color with that. It's sort of also how I hear the sound. Like the, all, all of my favorite records, when I think about them, I think of the color that the album cover ends up being. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's something that's always mattered to me a lot too. Making an album cover is getting the colors right. Like for Clean, I was like, I, I feel like it needs to have like yellow and kind of like red undertone and have this, you know, autumny, summery feel to it. Which I feel like we were able to manage, but. Yeah, it was like some, you know, 
other times it's been totally different. Like Four Young Hearts, the first thing I put out was like a little darker and it was green actually. Like it's just kind of like a more nighttime, like dark feeling to it. It's it's great the association that kind of comes along with that. Uh, so much of a, a deeper relationship, I think, with the music. Mm-hmm. You've also talked about how a lot of this, or, or a certain part of this anyway, record uh, was written on the road, which makes sense since you were on it for so long on the past record. And I think of the road, you know, as I know this business, as a very lonely place. And considering, you know, loneliness and sadness do play a part in a lot of these songs, was that one of the reasons? Was that part of Do you think that had that effect on it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because I, I think that anywhere is lonely if you make it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, like on the road, like I was around like my five, four or five, just four people, like four good friends every second. I was literally never alone, <laughs> but I can, you know, you can make it, it can feel really lonely if you are, you know, hiding in yourself, but, you know, at the same time, you can do that at home too. You can just never see anyone literally if you decide to. So I don't, I don't think the road is really a lonely place if you're with people that you know and are close to. Well, I'll, I'll bridge that into, I think, one of the quotes, and it was probably the Pitchfork interview too, because, you know, so the, the single circle, the drain, has that water relationship, and you said water has been something that I've always connected with sadness and loneliness, and, and I'm kind of pulling around to that theme. But, but if that's the case, what what it, why is that? You know, there's something about if you sit and look at the water, it's so silent and vast, and just just seems like empty. Like you could just go out there and like be, never be found. <laughs> like it's just kind of you know, there's just something about it that feels so um, deep and distant and separate especially at night right specifically like looking at the ocean at night or something it's just so you know you could somewhat like someone could be out there in the middle of the water and no one would see it or know or anything and it's could just get lost out there alone i don't know like you couldn't really do that in like new york (laughs) you know you can do it in the city you can do it even in a field like it's not the same like Mm -hmm depth and like it can pull you out like further you know it's like dangerous and the depths of it and the vastness is kind of terrifying i'm afraid of the ocean i'm just gonna go ahead and say that <laughs> you can't tell by all the words i'm using <laughs> i'm terrified of being in the ocean you know in the water and also the reason i'm mostly scared of it is we have no idea what's down there right right but that's a separate issue <laughs> a separate thing it also you know, it just makes you feel very lonely and it also has like a sedating feeling to it i don't know at least for me like sure i just get very calm and quiet and yeah i don't know it's it's very it's lonely but it's also very like calm and sedate and i feel like that's kind of what sadness is like at least what i was trying in depression like at least what i was trying to depict in the first part of the record is it is lonely and it is sad but it's also like sedating and it's calm it's not it's not like anxiety you know, it's like kind of the opposite. It's like very low energy. And I feel like you could just like go out there and like die there and you just not even know you were dying. <laughs> you know, like I feel like it, it would be like a, like in cold water or something. I feel like, I don't know. It just seems very, it's very sedating and calming, and, but also lonely and sad. I, I do want to ask for that song. It might be complete coincidence, but is there any relationship to the uh, 90s song by Feeder, the song High, uh, the similarities there? I'd say it's complete coincidence because I I could not tell you what that song sounded like. But like I mean, if it, yeah, especially if it's the intro, I feel like there's <laughs> there's so much like '90s and early 2000s stuff that starts in that way. Yeah. 
So it's, you know, it's common. It's not, you know, I'm sure it is very similar. But I thought there was a chance because, you know, and I, I don't want to go down one of those roads that gets taken down a long time ago, but there does seem to be kind of a 90s pull uh, off of a, lo- a lot of this. Although I've heard you talk about the early 2000s production being kind of an inspiration too. Does that stuff come naturally or is that an era that you sort of seek out for any reason? Well, I think like the very late 90s and early 2000s, um, was like the first music I ever heard in my life and loved. So that's your sweet spot, uh, you know. Right and there. that was yeah. the kind of stuff that was on pop rock radio when I was like three, and I, that's when I fell in love with music. Like I started writing when I was five, so it was something that I, you know, I it's just always really connected with me because it just makes me feel like a, a kid again, and it makes me feel excited about music, and it reminds me of being young. So there definitely is like I am definitely very drawn to that, and it's a big connection there and I feel like it is an inspiration on a lot of the production on my music because I just can't help but like love how that sounds more than a lot of other stuff and I think it's that's when I kind of like you know got my voice I guess Mm -hmm. and I got it with that like sound in mind so I think it's something that I've always been drawn to and then you know even more like early like earlier 90s stuff I got into when I was in high school and fell in love with when I was like kind of a different person so I think that it's just always been something that I've been very attracted to and very in love with the sound of. Well, it's definitely something I relate to, especially when I hear it, one of those things that draws me in. And I like how you use some of the culture from that as well. Like I'll even, you know, the um, the tape at the end of Grey Lights sort of reminded mm-hmm. me of also when you did something similar with tape at the end of Cool from the last record. And uh, yeah. like, was that a callback at all? I mean, not as much as a callback as like I like doing <laughs> yeah. weird tape stuff. Um, in songs that I like warping things and I feel like I'm going to do that a lot <laughs> in the future. I try to always, you know, not do it the exact same way, but yeah, it's always something cool because at the, at the end of Greylight, it's, it's a, there's a tape machine click coming in, but the actual like weird sound at the end is not a tape warp. It is a factory okay. machine sounds like accelerating basically. Um, so, you know, it's like different kind of stuff, but it has that same effect of like warping and making something weirdly like mechanical rather than sonic, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I don't know. Like it's like a little bit less uh, analog, like because you're kind of tricked into music when you're listening to like recording into feeling like it's a band playing or something. And I think sometimes it's cool to like kind of turn that on its head a little bit. I, I wanted to quickly compliment you too because outside of the record, you released the song "Feed," which was on the Turning soundtrack, and I have such a love for soundtrack cuts and how they kind of do what we were talking about with colors and all of that stuff. Uh, was that part of the sessions, or was that like directed specifically toward the film? That was direct. I wrote that as like like for the film. Like they asked me for a song, and I said, "Okay, I can make something," and I made that. That's a cool one. I, I really do love it, and kind of nice little extra bit there. Anyway. Thank you. Um, uh, Sophie, I, I really do. Color Theory is, is like my favorite record right now. I, I can't thank you enough for doing the music here. And, and thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to talk about it. Thank you. All right. It's a pleasure. We'll see you around. Yes, yeah. My thanks, Sophie Allison. Soccer Mommy, the brand new album, is called Color Theory. And I cannot recommend it enough. Now, the last time she and I talked was in 2018 behind her uh, debut LP called Clean which was a record that arrived after a few years of stockpiling songs that she would eventually post on Bandcamp, which quickly pulled in tons of new fans and critics alike, myself included. In this interview, we got to talk about uh, those tracks on Clean and uh, relating its personal stories to listeners, especially to people that she may never have met, 
as well as getting to open for Liz Fair, one of the uh, mini tours that she's done in the past few years. So I'll give you a part two here. Kyle Meredith with Soccer Mommy. Yeah, of course. You've got the new record clean. I mean, some of, uh, I mean, I, I see everywhere that it's calling it your debut, uh, which is only a little confusing because there are two other releases before that. How, how do you look at it all? I definitely think of it as my debut. Um, there are actually way more than that uh, on Bandcamp. But yeah, I did have kind of two more official type records, but all of them so far have been like compilations almost. I haven't like sat down and written a full length album. Um, like collection was mostly songs off Bandcamp that just kind of were put together. And Four Young Hearts was actually originally an EP that I ended up adding to. So yeah, it's all just at this point, it's just kind of been like songs kind of thrown together into some like a release rather than a full written album. But it must be nice having sort of that collection behind you really going into the first record. I, I know a lot of artists, I don't know if you ever had plans to do this, but you know, some artists who would have that kind of uh, that vault, you can take those later on and, and update those and repurpose them, you know, for a, an official release or something. Are there, are there any of those songs that you could see yourself doing that in the future that you would want to? Um, I don't know. I feel like for now I want to try to just write new stuff. But if a song ever fit, I wouldn't have a problem with like redoing some of the old songs on my band camp. Because I was, I was already pretty choosy with songs that I like worked on and uploaded so the stuff that's up is all stuff that i like so yeah i mean i'm, I'm definitely not against it i mean it's, either way you cut it though three releases in three years is impressive and i i mean do you constantly write is this a great work ethic or is it just the luck of having lots of songs you know lying around to compile as you say i constantly write really like when i was in college i would release like i there were times when i released like you know, two EPs in the span of like a month, just because I'm always writing stuff. But I think, you know, I it's definitely draining to write that much. And it definitely, I think if I take longer, I can be even more choosy about which songs make it onto an album. But I mean, you never really know how, how long it's going to take you to find 10 or 12 songs that you love. Especially, you know, you're, you're sort of known for that diary-esque writing you know, I, I see that in all the reviews. They'll use that word and everything to mine, to mine your life so much, as you're saying, to write like that constantly. Does it ever become a challenge to figure out like, oh, I've got to figure out how to, I've already written it like that. I, you know, it's got to be a different direction this time. I don't think so. So far, it seems like every time I've finished something, I've had a direction naturally come to me for the next one. Like, I think it just kind of follows my life pretty well. So even if I'm writing, you know, even if I keep writing about love songs or about, like, the same kind of stuff that I'm known for, it's just like, I don't know if it's a good song, it's a good song. I'm less worried about having a new take or a new direction and more just, like, writing good songs. Well, if it's about your life as you go along, does this record carry uh, a story? Is there a, is there a thread that kind of ties it all together? I think it's just about like feeling like you want to be something better than yourself um, and trying to make that reality and kind of realizing that you're not that by making yourself you know less emotional or less vulnerable, it's not actually bettering yourself and it's not actually changing who you are, uh, and you can't really run from yourself in the end. Now, does that line of thinking go into any, like, when you, instead of going under your name, you know, as an artist, Sophie Allison, uh, to choosing sort of a moniker instead? No, not, I mean, I guess maybe for some people it could, but for me, when I chose a moniker, it was kind of a joke, because I was just making stuff on Bandcamp for absolutely no one. <laughs> and it was more of like a joke on my 
Twitter. So, um, yeah, I didn't really put any thought into it, actually. It just kind of was something that stuck. But it allows you. I mean, it allows you to be lost in a character if you need to, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. I think it allows you also to just separate yourself from people listening a little bit and just, you know, say whatever you want to say. Because I know, yes, I mean, singing in such a personal way as, as you do, it does sort of invite a kind of knowing from fans at least they think that they know you yeah. you know good or bad or weird anyway I don't, have you have you had to experience any of that yet oh definitely for sure just like it can be very strange to have people think that they know you and they don't actually know you at all and to think and these are the early days that could only <laughs> want to scare yeah. you away <laughs> i know definitely I, i've thought that many times when you're writing do you ever because of that has it made you sort of hold back and like you know what I can't put that line in there. No, because I know it'll happen. No, it never has, actually, because I've always just felt very much like, well, my stuff is, like, direct. It's also not so direct that, like, someone's going to text me and be like, this is about me. You know, I just, I think that it's always, I throw pieces of experiences with different people into stuff. So it's not like I have to worry about it, a song directly, like, screaming one person's name or something. There's um, some musical great moments uh, all over the record, too. I, I sort of latch on to the end of the song, Cool, when it feels like everything just goes wrong. What, what was that? What, how did you guys do that? What did you do that? Um, it was just like a, like a time warp at the end of the track. Just kind of, we like had everything recorded and just put a warp on it, kind of threw it off, killed her. <laughs> I mean, it's almost a musical metaphor right there. That's, that's what I kept thinking. Yeah. I know we're we're all still getting familiar with you, though. You know the the backstory part of the interview. Where, where where does this all come from? When did you start writing songs that you would actually play out? I, I know I read something like you wrote a song at five, but when did it really <laughs> turn serious for you? I don't know. I think that when it really turned to be like something that was seriously helping me like feel my or like express my emotions and something that people were taking an interest to was probably right before I went to college. Yeah. What what uh, what pushed you at that point? To, to do it I don't know I just wanted to learn more about recording and stuff like that and I just started recording my own stuff and putting it out was playing it in front of people much of a leap for you I don't, I don't think it no I had been playing music in front of people for my whole life so it wasn't that weird at all was there a first um what, what would I say is there a first uh, like holy shit moment like this is actually working maybe I mean maybe when I got like a record deal like when I got approached by a label for the first time, I think that was kind of like, oh, shit, like this could be something that actually gets spread to people. And then like, yeah, I don't know, like recording the second, the this album was definitely like very exciting and felt like a serious jump. There was um, a tweet you put out there that uh, my mom is playing my entire album over the speakers in our house. Have they have they always been supportive uh, of you in this? Yes. Yes, they always have ever since I was a little kid. Now, and again, I'll go back to your style of songwriting. Has there ever been any of those weird, awkward, or cringeworthy moments where you're like, eh, do I want them to hear this? Which, you know, we, I'm not going to talk about it with my parents. I don't really have to stress about it. I know I know they'll be hearing anything I say, but I'm also just kind of like, they're not going to approach me about anything. <laughs> they think something's weird. So <laughs> it's fine. There's, I, I don't want to make this more of a thing than it is, but it does seem like there is an underground movement happening. You know, there, there are artists that are doing similar thing with you, that, you know, a similar type of writing. A lot of them happen to be women artists. I don't, do you feel part mm-hmm. of a scene right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I don't know if I feel like part of a scene, but I definitely feel like I have like friends who are doing similar stuff and who support me and who I support. But I don't know if it's like, it's not a, 
as big of a thing to be a scene. I think there is like like a underground music scene, obviously, but I don't know if the if I if I feel like super part of a community or something. It's usually one of the things that people get grouped into long after it's over anyway, but yeah, it just definitely. seems like yeah, something's something's in the air and something's happening. I mean, I feel like it's an important time in music because I feel like we're in a transitional period and artists like you are leading the way, you know, in, in this. It's what making mm-hmm. makes it really exciting. And by the way, um you know, your your forebears artistically, you're going to be opening up for Liz Fair, right? Yes, I am. I Pretty mean, astounding. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, Liz Fair. I don't, did yeah. that, did, is that something like you were pushing for? Was that a surprise? Did you get a call one day? It was a total surprise. How does it that was call a total happen? Surprise. I didn't even know. I didn't know she was doing a tour. I didn't know she was that I was submitted to open for it. I don't think that my agent even like reached out for it because I didn't. I mean, I don't think any of us really knew there was a tour happening. Um, I just got a text from my manager saying, "Check your email. I'm sending over a really amazing offer," and it was like the their agent inquiring about us opening on the tour. Have you been able to talk to her yet? Is that is that happened? No. I mean, I, you know, she like tweeted at me, but uh, I haven't like gotten to speak to her at all. I'm sure I will on the tour, though. Well, um, I'm very envious and, and <laughs> sort of doing a vicarious thing through you on this part. Yeah. Uh, such a big fan uh, of all of her music. I, I can understand how exciting that would be. Uh, I'll be looking to catch one of those shows. Yeah. So hopefully see you out there. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you again. Love clean. Congratulations, and, and thanks for uh, giving the call today. Yeah, thanks. Great talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye. 2018 interview with Sophie Allison there behind the Soccer Mommy LP called Clean. Again, thanks to Sophie for the new conversation, the record color theory. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Thanks to Sophie for the conversation. Thanks to you for listening to the episode as well. Uh, before you get out of here, if you're not a subscriber, I do hope you take that moment to uh, to follow along, subscribe to this podcast, keep up with all the interviews, all your favorite artists, uh, or tons that you don't know. Let me introduce you to some. There are new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and uh, we'll deliver them straight to your preferred listening device by hitting subscribe. That's what you got to do. You got to hit subscribe at wherever you're listening to this now. You Again, you can get it at uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Podchaser, NPR.org. Again, wherever you get your podcasts. And after that, after you subscribe, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It is an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews as well. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can find me on just about any social media platform, at Kyle Meredith. Hope you follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.